0: Welcome to the Awaken Life Church Podcast. For more information about our church, please visit awakenlifechurch.net. We hope you enjoy this message by Daniel Willette. God is so good. God is so, so good. Well, welcome to the happiest place on earth, Awaken Life Church. You are here today. So this is better than Disneyland. Yeah. Thank you, Jesus. What's that? <laughs> all right. So we're going to take some medicine this morning. How many, how many have ever heard laughter is good medicine? And it's, it's actually the Bible. The Bible says it like this. It says a joyful heart is good medicine. So we're going we're gonna to take some medicine this morning. I only got two. That's all, that's all I got for you is two jokes. So it's so hard to find good, like just clean jokes that are funny. There's, there's lots of out there, lots of them out there, but funny ones. So I think these were funny. These made me laugh. And uh, so, yeah, don't waste this opportunity. Get ready. Just get ready to let it loose this morning. And if you don't think it's funny, give it a faith laugh. Just laugh in faith. Lord, help us. Okay, here we go. By replacing your morning coffee with green tea, you can lose up to 87% of what little joy you still have left in life. Don't take it too seriously, it's just to make us laugh. Ah, ha, that, that one made me laugh. I got a good kick out of that one. Okay, one more. Chinese takeout, $12. Tip, $3. Getting home and finding out they forgot part of your order, riceless. Riceless. I, that's kind of a dad joke, but I, li- I like the dad jokes. <laughs> riceless, that was riceless. That joke is raceless. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. Okay. Thank you, Jesus. Father, we thank you so much. We thank you that you sit in the heavens and you laugh. Father God, we just thank you that you're so good. We thank you, Jesus, for your mercy, for your grace. We thank you for dying on the cross for us, Jesus, that we would be free, that we could have joy, that we could have um, just to be here today in freedom. We just thank you so much. You're so good, Jesus. And I just declare today that uh, mindsets are being changed. God, we just pray that every stronghold that wars against the way that you think is, is being taken down today. And God, we just declare that we are stepping into new perspectives and new thinking that aligns with kingdom perspective. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so this message today it kind of started last week in um, our prayer time before church. I was in, we were in the prayer room, and I was just praying. And, and as we were praying, I just saw this picture. And the picture I saw was this sanctuary. And I saw ladders coming down into the sanctuary, like all over the place, just ladders coming down. And it, and it was like everybody was standing and the ladders were actually resting on people's heads or going into people's heads. I know this sounds weird, but this is, this is the picture I got. And I was like, Lord, what is that? Is that for today? And I felt like, no, that's, this is your message for next week. And so I, I saw this picture and all these ladders are coming to the sanctuary. It's going into people's minds. And I, I believe it represents... New Kingdom perspective, I believe it represents um, God is, is giving us divine ideas that are coming from heaven uh, specifically in this time, but the biggest thing I, I think it represents is the ability to think and process things with kingdom perspective. God wants you to think like He does. God loves individuality He loves um, our our uniqueness. But he wants us to align our thinking with the way he thinks. And then it's uniquely expressed through you and who you are individually. And only you can express certain aspects of God that no one else can. And so God wants us to to think like him. I just want to make a declaration. I'm going to make a couple declarations over you. God is bringing new kingdom perspective today. God is bringing new kingdom perspective. I declare that you're going to start to see things from a heavenly perspective like you've never seen it before. Amen. God wants to give you perspective for how he sees things, for how like we think it's an inconvenience to share Christ or, or we think like, oh, they, they don't need this. But God, when we get God's perspective, it's like, oh, my goodness, without Christ, we are completely lost. And so we get, there's almost a desperation. Like yesterday, um, I, I just had a desire. Like I've, <laughs> I'll be really honest. I've had many times where I was like, okay, I've committed to go out and, and, and evangelize today. I don't want to go, but I've committed to go, so I'm going. But yesterday, I had this desire all week. I was like, I need to share Christ with someone. And so when we, when we get like God's perspective, it's like it starts to become fun um, because we're like, man, people need this message Like people, I just had this desire. I was like, I have to share this message. I haven't shared it in a while, and I really need to do it. So God wants to give, he wants to give us his mindset, his perspective for the lost. He wants to give you his perspective for your marriage. He wants to give you his perspective for your children, and, and he wants you to process things with your children and with your marriage the way he does. One of the most important things when we have challenges is we need to have God's perspective for our challenge, because we can look at our challenge and be like, this, is, this seems hopeless. But immediately when that happens, we need to be like, okay, I'm not thinking like God because God's never hopeless, So God, what is your perspective? How do you see our challenge right now? God, how do you see the situation in Afghanistan? God, how do you see the situation in our nation? What is your perspective? Because I need to think like you. I love what Bill Johnson says. He says, I I can't afford to have a thought in my head that's not a thought in God's head for me. So we want to have the thoughts that God is thinking about us in our mind. We want to have the thoughts that God is thinking about our situation, our nation, This is what God wants to do. And there's an anointing here today to break strongholds, specifically patterns of thought and thinking that war against how God thinks and how he sees situations. The Bible says that we have the mind of Christ. It's 1 Corinthians 2.16. We have the mind of Christ. But what does that mean? What does it mean to have the mind of Christ? Having the mind of Christ looks like us beginning to think like and process things like God. That's what having the mind of Christ looks like. It's actually seeing things the way Jesus sees them. Thinking about things the way Jesus thinks about them. Amen. Heaven's perspective and man's perspective. How many know that's often quite different? Often very different. We see a great example of this in the story of the 12 spies that Moses sent out to scout the promised land. I I don't like to call them spies. that sounds bad. like, Like 12 scouts, the story of the 12 scouts that were sent out to see the promised land. So these, these 12 guys go out. And by the way, there are 12 leaders. This, the Bible points this out. Every detail in the Bible is important. It says that he chose 12 leaders, and he sent out 12 leaders to scout the promised land. And so these 12 leaders go out, and they all came back, and they all agreed on one thing. They all agreed that this was a beautiful land flowing with milk and honey. They all agreed on that. But 10 of the leaders said, We cannot take the land. There's giants in the land, and we're like grasshoppers compared to them. So 10 of the leaders came back with a hopeless report. They came back with a negative report, says, we can't do it. Joshua and Caleb come back, and they said, we should, by all means, go up and take possession of the land, for we will certainly prevail over it. Could you get two more opposite reports? We can't do it it's hopeless. We got this. These giants are going to be our bread. We should certainly go and take this land. Two opposite reports. So they all scouted the same land. You know, from those two reports, you might think, well, did they see different things? No, they all scouted the same land. They saw the same things. They saw the same situation. But Jacob and Caleb processed everything they saw, or I'm sorry, Joshua and Caleb processed everything they saw through a heavenly perspective. They saw it through the eyes of of faith. They saw it through the eyes of all the things that God had been speaking to them. He'd been promising them, I have this land for you. So they went in with that perspective. They're like, This this land's already ours. So they didn't see the giants as an obstacle that they couldn't overcome. They saw it as their bread. They thought like God thought. That's with the difference between the two perspectives. How many know giants aren't a problem to God? Giants aren't a problem to God. So now this is really key to this story. When the people heard the negative report, they started to weep, wail, and complain. Remember that the definition of leadership is influence. And so these 10 leaders, they use their influence to bring a hopeless and negative report. And it had an influence on the people. And they begin to weep and complain and wail. And this is really important. Everyone who listened to the negative report never entered the promised land. Everybody who listened to the negative report and said, that's truth. None of those people entered into the promised land. The voice that you listen to will determine your destination and your destiny. Let me say it again. The voice that you listen to, or the voices that you listen to, is going to determine your destination and your destiny. So be very careful what voice you let influence you. Joshua and Caleb said, We should surely go up and take the land. These giants are going to be our bread. What was the difference? They thought like God thought. They had God's perspective. And this is what God's doing today. He wants you to think like he thinks. He wants you to see your situations like he sees them. And one way you can know if your thoughts are not aligning with God is if it has a hopelessness attached to it. Because God's thoughts will always come with hope. God wants you to have his perspective for your life. In Genesis 28, Jacob, he lays his head down on a rock to sleep. And he has a dream of an open heaven. So he lays on this rock. Uh, how many have ever slept on a rock? I, I, I've not. I don't know how you could do that. Wow, one. We have a couple. Wow, a couple people. I have to talk, about, talk to you about that later. He lays his head on a rock. How many, how many know who the rock is? Jesus, the rock represents Jesus. So when he laid his head on the rock, when he rested on the rock, which represents Jesus, he experiences an open heaven. He has this dream and in this dream, heaven's opened up and there's this ladder that comes down from heaven and it touches earth. And he sees angels ascending and descending on this ladder. And angels ascending and and descending, it represents a transfer, something from the kingdom realm coming into the earth. It's this this divine, supernatural thing that's happening where the kingdom of heaven is coming into the earth. Angels ascending and descending is a representation of what's in the heavenly realm coming into the earth. By the way, this is what Jesus told us to pray for when the disciples asked him how to pray. He said, pray like this, Lord, let your kingdom come, let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Let your kingdom come. Let your will be done on earth. He's telling us to pray. God, we want to pray that your kingdom of heaven and and your will in that realm of heaven is coming into the earth. How does it look like or what does it look like to pray, pray like that? You can pray like this. Lord, let your kingdom of heaven come into my situation let your kingdom of heaven come into my mindset for this situation. Lord, let your kingdom of heaven come into my marriage. Father, let your kingdom of heaven come into my children. We pray it almost every Sunday when we're in the prayer room before, before we come out, we're like, Lord, let the kingdom of heaven just open and invade this place today. God, we pray that as people come into the, into the building, discouragement's breaking, depression's breaking, and they're entering into a kingdom atmosphere where they can see things like you see them and they can encounter you. So we talked about Jacob and, and the vision that he had about the ladder. And in 1 John chapter 1, Jesus interprets what Jacob was seeing in the dream. I, I love this when you see things in the Old Testament foreshadow Jesus or you see things in the New Testament where it's, it's explaining what was happening in the Old Testament. So Jesus explains this vision. And I think we have it for the screens. we have that one? There we go. The next day, he decided to go to Galilee, and he found Philip. And Jesus said to him, follow me. Now Philip was from Bethsaida, the city of Andrew and Peter. Philip found Nathanael and said to him, we have found him of whom Moses wrote in the law, and the prophets also wrote, Jesus, the son of Joseph from Nazareth. Nathanael said to him, can anything good be from Nazareth? Philip said to him, come and see. Jesus saw Nathanael coming to him and said of him, here is truly an Israelite in whom there is no deceit. Nathanael said to him, how do you know me? Jesus answered and said, before Philip called you when you were under the fig tree, I saw you. Nathanael answered him, Rabbi, you are the son of God. You are the king of Israel. Jesus answered and said to him, because I said to you that I saw you under the fig tree, do you believe you will see greater things than these. And he said to him, truly, I say, or, truly, truly, I say to you, you will see the heaven opened and the angels of God ascending and descending on the son of man. What does that sound like? He says, you're gonna see the heavens open and you're gonna see angels ascending and descending on me, the son of man. What does that sound like? Yeah. Shout it out. That's 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 the vision, that's the dream that Jacob had. Almost two thousand years after Jacob has this dream, Jesus interprets it. Jesus tells him, I am the ladder. The ladder that Jacob saw two thousand years ago in his dream, that's me. I am the ladder. And Jesus is the one who gives us access to the open heaven. Amen. He is our connection from an open heaven into the earth. Amen? Jesus is the ladder that opens up the realm between heaven and earth for us. And we're living something in this, um, we're living in this new covenant that prophets of old like longed to see. We get to actually live in this covenant where Jesus Christ, he's opened up, he's the access to our open heaven. Ephesians 2.6 says this, God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. Yes, we live on earth, but we're constantly connected to the heavenly realm through Jesus Christ. So are you, are you seeing this picture? Jesus is this connection. He is the ladder that touches earth and goes into the heavenly realm. And we are seated with him in heavenly places. So are you seated here in Awakened Life Church? Yes. <laughs> but through Jesus, you are also seated in the heavenly realms with Jesus Christ. Because of Jesus Christ, because you've accepted Jesus, and he is that ladder that connects you from the earthly realm to the heavenly realm. So you have access to his thoughts and he is delivering his thoughts into you. Amen. By the way, we can have confidence that that's our position seated in heavenly places because it's God who seated us there. It says God himself seated you there. So it's not, I didn't seat myself there. You didn't seat yourself there. God himself has seated you in the heavenly realm. So Jesus is the ladder that bridges the two realms of heaven and earth. And you're both seated in in earth and you are seated in heaven. But you need to bring the kingdom perspective, the heavenly perspective into this realm. That's what Jesus told us to pray for. And I just prophesy over you this morning that God is bringing new heavenly perspective into the way that you think and the way you process information. I want to talk to you about Daniel chapter 2. Now, in Daniel chapter 2, Nebuchadnezzar had this dream. This is the passage where Nebuchadnezzar has this dream, and the dream is really disturbing. And he calls all his uh, magicians and wise men, his wise men, his soothsayers, to, to interpret the dream. But he tells them something interesting. He says, I want you to not just interpret this dream. I want you to tell me the dream that I had and then interpret it. And he says something really interesting. He goes, and then I will know that your interpretation is correct. Then I'll know if you can give me the dream and the interpretation, then I'll know the interpretation is correct. How many know the world wants what's genuine? This is him like saying, like, I I need to know that this is genuine. Like, and and the the magicians they tell him, What you're asking is impossible. Like, by the way, no one's ever asked this before, no king's ever asked this before, and what you're asking is impossible. But Daniel, when he hears, hears what the king says, he says, give me some time to get the interpretation for you. Do you see the difference in perspective? They know from their perspective, they're like, they know there's no way to do this, what he's asking. But Daniel knows that he serves a God who is a revealer of mysteries. And he knows that it is possible. And he says, give me some time to, fig- to figure this out and to hear what your dream was and to interpret it for you. By the way, the stakes were pretty high. He says, you know, if you can do this, if you can give me the dream and give me the interpretation, I'm going to shower you with riches. I'm going to shower you with honor. But if you can't, I'm going to have you cut to pieces. I'm going to have your houses turned to rubble. No pressure. Pretty high stakes. So Daniel gets the interpretation. And heavenly perspective and having the mind of Christ is what Daniel did. Knowing and putting your faith in God to reveal to you everything that you need revealed in your life when you need it revealed. He just had faith. God's gonna reveal this. God's gonna reveal this to me. Daniel knows he can't figure it out on his own, but he knows that God is the revealer of mysteries. Daniel 2.22 says this. This is one of my favorite scriptures, especially in Daniel. Daniel 2.22, he reveals deep, and secret things. He knows what's in the darkness and light dwells with him. This is what he tells the king. He's like, You know what? None of your magicians is gonna be able to do this for you, but I serve a God who reveals deep and secret things. He knows what's in the darkness. Having kingdom perspective is knowing that God wants to speak to you and that He's a revealer of the hidden things. This is part of shifting your thinking to heavenly perspective, is just believing God is speaking to me and He wants to speak to me. You know, when you first start, will start hearing God is when you actually start believing like God wants to speak to me. So then you start looking for it. Like, God, what are you saying? I want to just submit to you that God's speaking to you all the time. It's just, are we tuned into it or not? Are we expecting to hear from God or are we not? The first time I really started hearing the Lord is when I just started seeking it. I was like, God, I believe you're speaking to me. So what are you saying? You know, you can walk into Walmart and say, God, I believe you're speaking to me all the time. So what are you saying right now? Put your antenna up. Somebody say, put your antenna up. So having kingdom perspective is knowing that God wants to speak to you and that he is the revealer of hidden things. So Jesus said in John 15, 15... He said, no longer do I call you servants for a servant does not know what his master is doing. But I've called you friends for all things that I've heard from my father. I've made known to you. God's not hiding anything from you. He wants to reveal the mysteries. He wants to reveal answers to problems in your industry. He wants to reveal answers to our our situation going on in our state right now. And we have, we have people that we're just loving and supporting that are like, they're going after it. And we're like, God's going to reveal the mysteries that you need to, to be revealed so that you can make an impact. So we need to have that faith that God is going to show us what we need to see, when we need to see it. So it's the faith that Daniel had. And it's the perspective that made him different from the other wise men that said, this is impossible. So in this case, what God reveals to Daniel literally saves his life. It saves his life. And by the way, it saves the lives of all the bad guys. (laughs) Isn't that interesting? Think about that one for a while. So God gives Daniel the dream and the interpretation of the dream. And Daniel gives it to Nebuchadnezzar. And the dream is this. So this is important. The dream that Nebuchadnezzar had and, and Dan who comes to him and he says, King, this is your dream. You s- you've seen this large statue in your dream. And the statue, <clears throat> you know, is, it has all these different types of metal and, and they represent different kingdoms. And, and then he says, you saw a stone cut out of a mountain without human hands. Who's the rock? Who's the stone? Jesus, you saw a stone cut out of a mountain without human hands. And you saw a stone crash into this statue and turn the statue and all the kingdoms that were represented into dust. Now, specifically, if you want to get a little more specific, the stone crashed into the feet of the statue and then it crushed the entire statue to dust. But the feet actually represented that kingdom was the Roman kingdom. And he said, it says, this kingdom is going to be strong like iron and it's going to crush everything in its path. And when did Jesus come? He came during the time of the Roman Empire, crashed into the Roman Empire, but it crushes all the kingdoms of the earth and it establishes, he says, King, this is what you saw. You saw this rock and it crushed into this statue and that rock became a mountain that covered the whole earth. Isn't this powerful? This is God gives King Nebuchadnezzar, an ungodly king a dream about what's to come, about Jesus coming to the earth. And if you think God's not speaking to our leaders, even the ungodly ones, he is. It says in Proverbs that God guides the hearts of kings like water. And so we need to pray for our president. God, we believe you are guiding the heart of our leaders. So he gives him this dream, and he gives him the interpretation of it. And we know Jesus is the stone. In Psalm 118.22, it says this, The stone which the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone. Psalm 118.22. Jesus is the rock. And so we see this in the story of Jacob when Jesus or Jacob lays his head on the stone, which represents Christ. And we see this in this story when the stone comes and it crushes the statue that also represents Jesus Christ. He is the stone that crushes all the other kingdoms and, he, and it fills the whole earth. That stone becomes a mountain that fills the whole earth. So I want to tell you a story. Let me take a drink first. Just got a little bit of a dry throat today. God often speaks to me in numbers. So I was taking a late lunch, I think this was on Wednesday of this past week. I was taking a later lunch, and um, I go and I jump in my truck and I look on the seat next to me and there's a, a single receipt sitting there and the total of the receipt is twenty-four forty-four. Twenty-four dollars and forty-four cents. And then I look at the clock on the on my truck and it says two forty four. And I got that little Holy Spirit doodad, you know. I was like, okay, God's trying to speak to me right now. So I I pull up my phone and I, I type in scripture 244 and what comes up is Daniel 244. Daniel 244. Daniel 244 says this. In the time of those kings, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom that will never be destroyed. Nor will it be left to another people. It will crush all those kingdoms and bring them to an end, but it itself will endure forever. My God, you're speaking to me. God has established his kingdom on earth, and we have direct access to it through Jesus Christ. And God is calling us to see things through his kingdom perspective. We have Everything that we need to have complete kingdom perspective. We're connected in the heavenly realm with Jesus Christ. He is the ladder that's coming from earth. He has established his kingdom on earth. And he wants us to to access everything that he's given us. And expect that we're going to hear from heaven through Jesus Christ. Amen. So God highlighted Daniel 2.44 to me. So remember 2.44. And also... Daniel 2.22, 22 22 is half of 44, and we read Daniel 2.22, 2.22, that's God is the revealer of mysteries, he reveals deep and secret things, he knows what's in the darkness, and light dwells with him, this verse is about God giving us heavenly insight and perspective, God revealing the deep things to us, I just read a a moment ago Psalm 18.22, there's another 22, which talks about Jesus being the stone. Uh, David was prophesying it. The stone which the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone. Also, I thought I should mention today, it's the 22nd. Today, is is 22nd. Okay, one more thing I want to talk about, and I might continue with this today. Uh, I feel like today was more of like a a prophetic declaration of what God's doing and what he wants to do in your life. Um, Next week, I may touch on I love practical application. So next week I might touch on like what does it look like to take on kingdom mindset and to release the the strongholds, our old patterns of thinking. So I to, wanted to end with this. Matthew chapter twenty one, forty-four. Twenty one forty four. Jesus says this, it's a really weird saying. He says this, I think we have it for the screen. He's talking about himself. So just context, he's referring to himself as the stone. He says, on whomever uh, and whoever falls on this stone will be broken. But on whomever it falls, it will grind him to powder. So just think about that one for a second. Who's the stone? So I read this at like three, four years ago and it just jumped off the page to me. <coughs> and I had no idea, no idea what it meant. And I, and I thought it was kind of scary. I was like, wow, well either Jesus is falling on us and we're crushed into dust or we fall on him and we're broken into pieces. It sounds like, it sounds kind of negative. So what is the meaning of this verse? I remember three, four years ago, I saw this. It jumped off the page, and I just was chewing on it. How many know scripture is meant to be chewed on? That's what the word meditation means in the Old Testament. It means to chew on. So when something jumps off the page to you, or, or especially even hard passages where you're like, God, this is a hard passage. I don't understand. Just chew on it and ask God for revelation. And again, it comes from this place of believing that God's going to reveal things to you. He's going to show you what these things mean. So I go to bed. I'm just chewing on this. I'm like, okay, whoever the stone falls on is crushed into dust. And, and whoever um, falls on the stone will be broken into pieces. And I'm just kind of meditating on it. And I fall asleep. And the middle of the night, I wake up at like three in the morning. And God tells me what, the, what this passage means. So what does this mean? Let's start with the last part says, but on whomever the stone falls, it will grind him to powder. In some translations, it says it like this. The stone will scatter him like dust. Does this sound familiar to what we just read in Daniel? Jesus is the rock taken out of the mountain without human hands, crushes into the kingdoms of the world and turns them into dust. And then the rock becomes a mountain that covers the whole earth. But on whomever the stone falls, it will grind him to dust. It's the dream that King Nebuchadnezzar had. This is actually encouraging. Jesus is saying like, I am the rock that is coming to earth, destroying the kingdoms of this world and covering the whole earth. My kingdom is going to cover the whole earth. So that interprets the the last half. What about the first part? The first part says, and whoever falls on this stone will be broken. So first off, I'll say say this. It's better to fall on the stone than for the stone to fall on you. It's better to fall on the stone than for the stone to fall on you. So I woke up that night at 3 in the morning, and the Lord started speaking to me, and he said, falling on the stone is a picture of salvation. It's a picture of us coming to Jesus Christ and falling on him. And the Passion Translation actually gives us a clue of this. In the Passion Translation, well, first of all, I have to say this. This saying of Jesus, it's found in two places. It's found in Matthew, and it's found in Luke, uh, Luke 20, 18. And in Luke 20:18, this is how it reads in the Passion Translation. It says, everyone who falls in humility upon that stone will be broken. This gives us the clue. This is when we come in humility, in repentance to Jesus and say, Jesus, I'm falling on you. I'm not going to do it my way anymore. How many know Jesus is the rock and he's unmovable? So when we come and fall on him, he's not moving, we are. And we break into pieces. And how many know that the Bible says when you come to Jesus Christ, you become, a, you become recreated, it says in some translations, a completely new creation. So we come and we break into pieces on Jesus in humility. And this is the beautiful thing is all the pieces that were there before Christ, he, doesn't, he leaves a lot of those pieces off of us as he recreates us, and he adds some new pieces that weren't there before. And next week, I'm going to touch on <clears throat> what he takes away and what he adds. Isn't that good? So that, that passage is actually really encouraging, that Jesus, Jesus would say things a lot. <clears throat> and if we interpret them through the eyes of condemnation, we could be like, well, that's this sounds like it's bad either way, but it's actually encouraging. It's like this passage, he was saying, I am the rock that is being established on the earth. I'm, I'm crushing the other kingdom to, kingdoms to dust. I'm, be, I'm covering the whole earth. And anyone who comes and falls on me, I'm going to completely recreate you. You're going to scatter into pieces, but I'm going to completely recreate you. So us falling on Jesus is a picture of our salvation since he cannot be moved he cannot be changed when we come to him we are the ones who are changed amen how many of you had have you how many of you let me say that I'm gonna try to get it out how many of you have ever had an experience that after you were saved you didn't see things the same anymore you saw things differently I had that experience. I had things that I used to do that after I rededicated my life to Christ, I was like, "I can't enjoy these things anymore." I was like, I, I tried to do the old things, but I just I was like, these, these have no peace, no joy. It was like something had changed, something had shifted. So I was like, "It disturbs my spirit to take part in this." <clears throat> How many saw things differently after you got saved? <coughs> you had a whole new perspective. Like, man, I I used to think of that like this, but I don't I can't even imagine thinking of it like that anymore. It's because you're a whole new creation in Christ, completely recreated. You were broken and recreated in Christ. Amen. Whoever falls on that stone shall be broken, but on whomever it falls, it will grind him to powder. Would you stand to your feet this morning? I want us to make some declarations and then I'm gonna have uh, Joy come up and close the service. But I want us to make some declarations together. I really feel the, the fire of the Lord on this, that he's, he wants to break strongholds in our life. Strongholds are ways that we're thinking that are contrary to the way that God thinks. And he wants to break strongholds in your, in your mind and in your life. And he wants to give you his perspective. So as just a prophetic Agreement and declaration, I want us to just declare a couple things this morning. So let's declare this. God wants to give me his perspective. God wants to give me his perspective. God is giving me his thoughts. God is giving me his thoughts. God is giving me his perspective. And I have the mind of Christ. Mind of Christ. Amen.